Welcome to Relentless Truth with John Warren, the podcast that extracts truth from a wide range of topics, revealing who God is, who we are, and how we relate to each other. Now, here's John with this week's powerful and practical insights. Welcome to Relentless Truth. I'm John Warren. It's good to be with you again. Please like, share, review, and subscribe to Relentless Truth. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. You can also go to our website, johnwarrenmedia.com, for more information about our work. Please send along a comment on our contact form, or you can email me at john at johnwarrenmedia.com. It was brought to my attention this week that many of you, since we have built uh, quite a uh, listener base uh, for this Relentless Truth uh, podcast, don't know me, and I, I tend to just sort of, I hope, humbly walk through these uh, episodes week after week. And so I, I want to do just a quick review of my background. I'm an economics teacher, uh, and uh, I have uh, also been years ago at the University of Central Florida an adjunct professor of finance. And uh, so I, I am a teacher by nature, but I spent 30 years, 40 years now in total, but 30 years in commercial banking. And I was part of a little group of people who started and grew and sold several banks all in uh, Central Florida. And uh, about 10 years ago, I was blessed to have the opportunity to start my own company. It's called CFS Financial. If you go to my website, johnwarrenmedia.com, there's a CFS Financial tab, or you can just go to cfsfinancial.net and you'll find a good summary of that work. That work sponsors this podcast. That work is uh, on uh, consulting with, in terms of financial services for nonprofits, mostly ministries, mostly Christian schools, some parachurch ministries, and some churches. We have a huge number of success stories, over 200, well over 200. We're approaching 300 now, and uh, I am blessed to get to do that work as well. I mentioned I'm also a teacher. I have, for the upcoming school year at Circle Christian School, I have 93 students who are signed up to take U.S. government in the first semester, economics in the second semester, that's how we do it in Florida, and then a an ethics class where we also, in addition to a couple of textbooks, uh, and uh, where, wherein we study ethical theory, uh, we're also going to do a survey of the books of Proverbs and Psalms. In addition to that, I'm uh, going to be this fall teaching a course at my church on the attributes of God, the character of God. That is such a powerful, deep subject. I am looking forward to that 14-week study that starts, I believe, the Sunday after Labor Day. So I've got lots of irons in the fire. Uh, Sometimes people say, oh, what's it like now that you're retired from banking? And I I kind of roll my eyes at them and say, look, I work harder than ever. I just cut my time up into several pursuits, most of which involve teaching. Uh, So I am grateful for this podcast, grateful for this audience. I hope you will subscribe. I hope you'll tell your friends. This podcast does not advertise. I do a 
let's say it this way. I do a lousy job of promoting this podcast and I depend on you to do so. You'd be surprised how many times I hear from people saying, oh, this person told me about your podcast and now I'm a loyal listener and I have a question about something. Those are so rewarding, those contacts. I would urge you to reach out. If you have subjects that I don't address, uh, I'd, I'd love for you to contact me to that end. So it is good to be with you again. This week we are continuing a series of topical discussions. And, and this week's discussion, um, I will admit, is a challenging one. It is incredibly interesting to me. It's been in the news lately. And so I'm going to, my the tease for this episode is, have you watched on, I believe it's on Amazon Prime. In fact, I'm certain it is, Shiny Happy People. If you haven't watched it, it's a, I think it's a four-part series, if I remember correctly. I've watched all four parts. My wife and I have. It is really interesting. It's about the Duggar family. And more importantly to us, it's about, you know, and they're, they're the reality TV folks that had the series for years and never watched a minute of it, but, but that's who they are. Uh, a Christian family. I want to say the, the dad's name is Jim Bob Duggar or something like that. I think they live in Northwest Arkansas, but I could be mistaken. But more importantly to us, it's also about Bill Gothard. Um, he's got a, or he had a company, he's still alive deep in his eighties. He had a company called the Institute in basic life principles. Years ago, it was called the Institute in basic youth conflicts. My church every year for several years took a group to Atlanta to this big Coliseum. I think it was called the civic center at the time. And, and people packed it out. I'm talking, I don't know how many. 10, 15,000 people um, when it was arranged for a speaker at one end. I think that's all they could they could seat. It was kind of at that that old Omni, the, the CNN Center. If you went to Atlanta back several decades ago to, uh, to a big function, you might have gone into that center. And um, Gothard had just this huge following and... I've been, you know, I, I also, and, and pardon the rambling introduction, but I also have released two times an episode urging the Bob Jones University board not to part ways with Steve Pettit, urging them that it is never too late to reconcile. And I kind of walked down the middle of the road on that episode and I tried to be nice and I, I want to be nice. I want to be kind. I want to be loving. But I, I want to be forthright. I want to be clear. I want to be truthful. And so it's just very important to me to 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 tell the truth about that issue. It it relates in some ways to Bill Gothard, and it relates in some ways to the Duggars and shiny happy people, but most importantly, it relates to scripture. The topic is one that I've mentioned before, but, I, but we haven't spent much time on it. Uh, that topic is asceticism. Asceticism. Asceticism is kind of this, this notion of pursuing hoping, uh, holiness 
by severity to the body in Paul's words. It's, it's really uh, this notion of earning God's favor through extreme self-discipline. I have, I have several uh, definitions here, but I'll read one of them to you. It's severe self-discipline and all forms of indul- and and it's the avoidance of all forms of indulgence for religious reasons severe self-discipline and the avoidance of all forms of indulgence for religious reasons it's closely related in some ways to religious mysticism both are dangerous that that's this pursuit of religious ecstasy it's an alternate state of consciousness visionary experiences i'm not in the position to to tell you what what is and is not a spiritually significant experience for you but what i would say while we're on this topic is that emotional experiences alone are not emblematic of a christ following life a true christ following life follows studies employs and practices biblical truth not just this pursuit of these emotional experiences visionary experiences that that are alternate state of consciousness this religious ecstasy the christian life is beautiful and and a, one of the attributes of god is is, is happiness um, and so so i'm not going to dismiss your experiences i'm just going to suggest that there's more to the Christian life than those experiences of ecstasy or altered state of consciousness. A, a third topic we're going to touch on today, I do talk about a fair amount, and that is legalism. It's dependence on uh, or, or compliance with moral law rather than faith. It's doing good works or obeying the law to merit salvation. So, so it's not just all doing good. All, all doing good is not bad. But the underlying truth that, that, that we learn through this renewal of our mind through scripture and prayer, through the means of grace, is absolutely critical. Just waking up every day and saying, I'm going to do better. I'm going to do the following things. We, we can easily find ourselves in asceticism. I talk often about the Judaizers in, uh, particularly when I study Paul's epistles. Paul was aggressively pursued by this group of people that we call the Judaizers. They were those Jewish people who really never left the Mosaic law and, and the rest of Jewish custom. They, they clung to that. They never left it. They, they still supported this compliance with the law to earn God's favor. And that showed up a couple of ways. A couple of the most significant ones that we should care about is they rejected Jesus Christ as the Messiah, and they totally rejected justification by faith. And you know what they said about it? This is really interesting. They said it's too easy. That's just too easy. Paul Paul has this, you've heard this expression, this hyper grace. 
Uh, I, I want my grace to be hyper grace, just to say it. I don't want to fall for the trap of hyper grace. I understand there are some traps at the other end of this spectrum. But today I want to talk about just the need for grace, this justification by faith. I want, I want to suggest that the Judaizers were wrong. Now, you don't have to look far in history to, you know, you don't have to do a lot of work to be able to study the Judaizers. They were, I'll give you a homework assignment. Um, study Corinth, ancient Corinth and Galatia during the life of Paul. And look at what the Judaizers did. Just, just read the book of Acts in the Bible. If you, if you don't want to do any more work than that, do, do that. And you'll see how Paul was pursued. And, and you'll, you'll get to read Paul's speeches before the governing authorities, both the Jewish governing authorities and the Roman governing authorities. And he basically said, they don't accuse me of anything, but they accuse me. And if I've done anything wrong, tell me what it is. If I've broken your law, tell me what it is. And I'm paraphrasing. And, and no one ever does. And yet, and yet Paul gets thrown into prison and basically exiled and, and really tortured by these people for most of his life. This wasn't just at the end of his life, that part that is primarily recorded in the book of Acts. But if you go back and look at history, look at how they pursued him in Corinth and Galatia just before he wrote the book of Romans, the epistle to the church at Rome. This was not your peaceful protest. These were not sign carriers on the other side of the street. This wasn't even Antifa that occasionally bloodies somebody's nose. This was, this was a mob with proverbial uh, torches and pitchforks who were out to get Paul, to kill him. He, was, he lived his life in constant fear with a constant threat of dying at the hands of these people. In fact, if you remember in our study of Romans, or if you've studied the history of Romans, the backdrop to that, that epistle, you know that one of the reasons it is this beautiful compendium of theology is that Paul was about to go on his third missionary journey that would involve going to Jerusalem, and he was scared for his life because of the Judaizers. So these aren't Sunday school teachers, these Judaizers. These, these are people who, who believed passionately that Paul was wrong and they wanted to shut him down. These were evil people who rejected Jesus Christ. It, it's really important to know that. So when we talk about asceticism and, you know, let's throw in mysticism and legalism and all of that. When you, when you watch shiny, happy people on, on Amazon Prime, you're going to hear all about the Duggar family and then you're going to, it follows these four or five people, maybe more, who were negatively impacted by the Duggar family and by the ministry of, of Bill Gothard. And, and it's jolting and, and it's, it, it, it comes at this topic with a, with a negative uh, bias. Julie Roy's uh, just wrote an article about a lady that is featured in in this film, in this documentary, and and uh, this lady has identified a pastor in Texas who was an observer, somewhat complicit observer to her abuse, her 
uh, sort of grooming by the Bill Gothard uh, ministry. So there, there's, yes, there's a negative bias against, and they kind of paint homeschoolers in this negative way, uh, stereotypical way. However, the Duggars deserve some of this. You know that their son is in prison for sexually abusing his sisters and perhaps other people and child pornography. I think the sisters were tangential to the real issue. The real issue is, is he's guilty of probably trafficking. I need to be careful of that. I don't know what the exact charge was, but it relates to the charges related to the authorities finding him participating in child pornography on some level. So, so there, there are some real charges in here. What I'm trying to say is that it, there, there's, a, there's a bias, obviously, a secular bias in this documentary, but they make some excellent points. And I found this so sobering, especially the Bill Gothard part, because as a high school kid, late in high school, I went to three, I believe, of his seminars, and I think they were like three-day events. And, and he packed them on thousands of people. And, and, and all, all of the ones that I went to were in Atlanta at this big civic center in Atlanta. And, and that, I mean, there had to be 10,000. There could have been 20. Uh, I, I couldn't tell you. I don't remember. But I remember it was packed. And, and every now and then they sang a, sang a song. And it was just beautiful hearing all those people sing. You probably experienced that at a Billy Graham crusade or somewhere else. It's just beautiful when you have you know, thousands of voices singing together. But... I remember Gothard's material troubling me and, and I, I couldn't tell you why exactly, but, but I've learned why since. Uh, and now, now I'm going to, I'm going to talk about, I'm going to bifurcate this. I'm going to talk about two things, Bill Gothard, the man and, and Bill Gothard's teaching. Bill Gothard, the man is frankly kind of creepy. If, if you believe a 10th of the accusations He's kind of odd. He, this, this isn't the odd part, but, but it's backdrop. He's in his late 80s. He's never been married, never had a child, never been in a relationship with a woman as far as I know. And yet he teaches things, all kinds of lessons about marriage and authority and manly authority and patriarchy. And everyone ought to have as many kids as possible to populate the earth so that the Christian ideology combats worldly ideology. I, I mean, it, you know, in the words of the kids today, it, it, it's whack. And, and, it, and it's not just innocent whack. It's really bad legalism and asceticism. And frankly, it goes beyond that. It's just made up nonsense. Now, like every false teacher, and I'm calling him a false teacher, and that's going to bother some of you, and I understand that. But he deviates from scripture. He includes some scripture. He includes some biblical concepts. And then in my opinion, he then corrupts those concepts and he, and he turns the road toward asceticism and made up doctrines that just suit this, this philosophical psychological bent that he has. And it made so much sense to churches in the, I guess that goes back to the 60s. I never heard of him back then. I was a kid, young, young kid. 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. And then in 2014, this ministry parted ways with him and he was somewhat disgraced. 
but still he's still around and he still does some things in the homeschool community and it's just not good. So I want to talk a a little bit about uh, Gothard. That was a long introduction. I want to talk a little bit about Gothard, but most importantly, I I want to focus us on asceticism. If you look at uh, Colossians 2.16, it says, therefore, this is Paul, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food or drink with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism and worship of angels. Going on in detail about visions. Here we go into mysticism. Mysticism, I believe, is a subset of asceticism. Puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, this is verse 20, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Referring to things that all perish as they are used according to human precepts and teaching. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. This, this is powerful, ladies and gentlemen. This, this is the reason I did the episode on Bob Jones University. I told you in that episode that I was concerned about legalism and asceticism decades ago at that university. And I was thrilled, pleased, encouraged that Steve Pettit and others, and there are others, uh, Sam Horn, uh, there, there, there are some good men, uh, Bobby Wood, there are good men whose names I'm not going to recall right now. The, the, uh, the guy who's the interim uh, president, uh, by all accounts, who understand the gospel. They understand walking by faith. They understand the dangers of asceticism and they understand who the Judaizers are. They understand mysticism and legalism and they have steered this university in a gospel centric direction. This is a big deal. This isn't about not wearing ties or ladies wearing pants or having a beach volleyball team or women's shorts in athletics not being an appropriate link. It's not, it, it looks like it's about those things, but these are gospel issues. And I want to see that university continue in a gospel-centric direction that is making disciples as they are supposed to do. And I want to see the fundamentalists, legalists, I'm sorry, but that's who you are, I, I, I want to see them fade away. John Lewis, I'm going to say it plainly. I don't know him. He might be a good-hearted individual, but he, he, he did some things he shouldn't have done there at the end of Steve Pettit's tenure. Steve Pettit would tell you he made some mistakes too. But in any case, this is I want to talk about asceticism. And, and you can see from this, this passage, whether it's Bob Jones University, Bill Gothard, uh, homeschool co-ops, 
or, or whoever it is, uh, churches, uh, fundamentalist churches throughout the country. I'm, I'm not discrediting all of you who, who, who somehow like that label. I don't like that label, but if you like it, great. As long as you believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ as explained in scripture. I, I grew up learning some really bad facts, uh, um, counterfeit truth. Uh, and and these were good people, and I'm I'm sure I don't remember some of the good things they taught, but but one of the things they taught was that situation ethics was evil. If your ethics change based on the situation, that you're you're evil. Well, Paul certainly wrote a, a lot of a lot of verbiage in Romans 14 and 15 that would be unnecessary because he is talking about the offense of a brother. He says you have liberty but you don't exercise it if it offends a brother. So the situation does determine our ethics, doesn't it? Doesn't it doesn't determine all ethical principles, that's not the argument. But I I want to I want to just look at something just for a moment. And I realize this podcast format is is limited, but this this notion of asceticism of of just severe self-discipline and avoidance of all forms of indulgence for religious reasons is really a result of our sin of self-reliance. We, even in our religiosity, we reject the gospel of Jesus Christ in favor and his finished work, his death being incorporated with him by faith. We reject that and say, no, 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 I've got to wake up every day and try harder and earn God's favor. No, Christ has already earned all of the favor of God. The reckoning that Paul talks about has already occurred on our behalf by faith because of his finished work on the cross. You're not going to get yourself more saved by trying harder. Now, true conversion, true salvation will make us obedient to the precepts of scripture, make us want to be obedient, make us walk by faith. We don't just go live any old way, but but the motivation is not to earn God's favor. It is to grow in his grace. It is the key, really, to living a good life. But I want to show you something. There are some passages in scripture that are hard to read. And, and I say that because they're so familiar. It's not that they're weird or neglected. There are some of those too that are kind of strange sounding. But I think some of the really familiar passages are the hardest to kind of slow down. You know, we talked about Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice. You know, we memorize that one and, and it just rolls off our tongue and we think, oh, sexual purity and other forms of purity. And we don't really dig into the depths of that. Well, Hebrews 11 is a lot like that. It's the it's kind of the hall of faith or the, the, the faith hall of fame where the writer of Hebrews who might be Luke or Paul or Apollos, who knows? We don't know the author of this book. But in Hebrews 11, it starts out, and, and this is the part that we kind of ignore. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things 
that are visible. So we usually, and then we go rushing into by faith, Abel offered to God, blah, blah, blah. And then it, it goes, goes on from Abel to Abraham to all the others. But faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. So the Judaizers were holding on to something that, that they misunderstood. They missed the fact that Jesus was the Messiah and that justification is by faith and has always been by faith. You see, for by it, the people of old received their commendation. They walked by faith, people in antiquity. Then he goes on in verse three, by faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, we understand the invisible, the mysteries. And then, and then he goes on. Well, look down with me in Hebrews 11, and let's look at verse 6. And without faith, very familiar verse, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, by faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. We, we caricature these characters. The, probably the worst form of scripture I was exposed to as a kid were, were those children's Bibles that sensationalize stories like Noah's. They, they've got Noah with a meg, megaphone begging people to, to come onto the ark. And they make a caricature of, of these stories. This notion of justification by faith and walking by faith as believers is true through antiquity, through the Old Testament. Paul proves it when he talks about Abraham and David in, in uh, Romans 4, being justified or declared righteous by faith. You see, when, when we decide that we're going to, we're going to suck it up and do better, uh, we're going to earn God's favor, and, and, and we, even, we even think that people who take asceticism to a different level, who are even more ascetic, um, who, who avoid all forms of indulgence, even come up with new forms of indulgence. And, and I, I, I could talk about them. I mean, you, you know, over the decades that, you know, it's, it, we have no TV in our house or, or we don't go to movies or we never go to a restaurant that serves alcohol or, or we don't, drink alcohol and if that's personal conviction that's fine i'm, I'm not, not going to talk about all those all those things but but if if we think that those things you know waking up at four in the morning and reading scripture or kneeling in a certain way or doing something that is extra biblical to earn god's favor and not living walking by faith we are guilty of asceticism if i just do this god will be more pleased with me and I would just say, beloved, take a deep breath. God is pleased with you 
because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Your record has been cleared if you have faith in him. Your account, your sin is, is in your account. God sees you in his son, in him. You are baptized in him. That is incorporated with him. God sees you in him. You are not capable of doing anything to earn more of his good favor. Now, we do good works, of course, Yes, as we walk by faith, do we want to do we want to help others? Yes, do we want to live lives characterized by prayer? Of course, we need to read Scripture and grow in it so that our minds are renewed. In Romans twelve two, yes, absolutely yes. But in so doing, are we earning more of God's favor? No, no. This this is talking about severe self discipline. And, and I, I, I'm not going to potentially impact your conscience by mentioning all the things that I've seen people do over the years, but, but it's extensive. I, I will say Bob Jones University had some ridiculous rules about where you could be on campus at various times, wearing a tie in the morning to class and not in the afternoon and attending various things, uh, um, even the way they handled meals. I mean, they, they made excuses for all of that. They even discussing music with a beat and, and, and this shiny happy people points out some of this stuff that the Duggars and uh, fundamentalists believe in. I would just su- suggest that asceticism, mysticism, and legalism take away from, detract from the beauty of real biblical truth. I want to just, Look at Romans 12 for just a moment. Uh, first couple of verses. Therefore, this is just such a beautiful, there's another one of those sections that's hard to slow down and really read it and, and hear it, what, what the author is saying. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, by all those people in chapter 11, the hall of faith, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now, that all sounds like, wait a minute, John, are you sure asceticism is a bad thing? Look at verse two, looking to Jesus. That is where our eyes need to be, not on ourselves and our performance. The founder and perfecter of our faith. So here's what verse two says without me interrupting parenthetically. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And then he goes on, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself. And he, and he goes on in verse three and following. So here it is. Look to Jesus who endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of God, not yourself. Asceticism is dangerous. It aligns us with the Judaizers. I'm not saying there shouldn't be good works in the Christian's life. There absolutely should. But this doing good works and doing even more good works and self-denial, self-discipline that will, in our minds, earn God's favor is just as dangerous as the bad theology of the Judaizers. This compliance with moral law rather than faith. It is, it is the rejection of justification by faith that is the danger. 
and it's a slippery, slippery slope. These people who embrace this today live really defeated, miserable lives, or they fake it like, and I can't judge another person's heart, but like the Duggars appeared to do. They fake it. They use, they use these synthetic voices even. It, it drives me nuts. It's this, I can't even imitate it. It's just, it's this, it's, oh, this super spirit. And I just, oh, and that, that's not normal. I mean, I want to be careful, <laughs> but th- this living a phony life for a lot of these people in, in this harshly fundamentalist ascetic movement has kind of come home to roost. I, I am pleased that Bill Gothard has been exposed for who he is. His, his views on a number of subjects. There's a guy I want to tell you about who, um, I, I don't know him, but he's done a good job. I would commend an article to you. I think his name is Don Owsley. Uh, it's donowsley.com. And I, re- I really don't know him. I can't you know, recommend all of his work, but he, he has an article from May 18th of 2019, an overview of some problems with Bill Gothard's teachings. And, and it's just fascinating because at our core, if we hold to asceticism, if we, if we, if we, we color it religious, but still are hanging on to our own self-righteousness, self-sufficiency instead of Christ's sufficiency by faith. If we hold on to that, it manifests in bad doctrine. Bill Gothard, this author, Don Owsley says, though he claims to support the church in reality, he has a very low view of the church. And he, he really does that his solution. Gothard's solution is to apply his principles directly to individuals within a family. So he might not intend to, but but he leaves the local church, even the Church of Jesus Christ, out of much of his teaching. There's very little in his material that demonstrate any support for the church like Scripture does. It, it, he appears to, here, here's a quote, a strong nation is not built on strong local communities, but on strong families. So, I don't know what he means by strong families, moral families, religious families. Uh, Let me quote from the article further. While the underpinning of a society is the family, just because a nation has strong families, as the Romans did, does not mean the society is godly or even biblically moral for that matter. And he goes on. Second point he makes is he supplants the ministry of the local church by taking on a position of teaching authority. And, And he does so apparently outside of the church. I don't know that he's even involved in a member of under the oversight of in any way. I mean, he's probably a member of a tribe at hope, but he's not under the oversight of a local or regional regional church. He certainly wasn't during the heyday of his ministry. And he wouldn't pass the scrutiny of any kind of examination, any kind of ordination examination. He, he, he kind of references the living church and some other things but his methods of biblical interpretation, his views of scripture, this author goes on to point out, are also um, errant and, and rather bizarre. Um, and I'm not going to go through all of that teaching, but if you happen to have 
been exposed to his teaching, I would commend this article to you. I'd be happy to send it to you if you write to me. Um, but, you know, among other things, the author points out that he, he believes God speaks and reveals personal guidance to individuals through, through promptings. He really doesn't focus on the means of grace. It's really kind of curious. He's selective in his use of Bible verses in order to prove his point. He doesn't methodically teach through Scripture. He'll take a, a single word from Scripture, like precept or statute, and develop a whole full-blown doctrine out of it. And then he redefines biblical words to fit his system. He designed this whole structure, this this big enterprise. This, it's got a huge building. I think it's in Illinois. And, and I think their work goes on without him. Um, and I, I don't know how much of his teaching they include today, so I don't want to criticize them harshly if they've adjusted. Well, then good for them. He reads too much into various texts that the texts themselves do not prove. He he, For example, he tells us that the reason for Job's problems is that he neglected his family. Well, we don't know that. He, he claims that Matthew 6, 27, 28 proves that one's overemphasis and concern about clothing is a way to conceal or deal with physical characteristics one does not like. I mean, he goes on and on. I mean, he, he, he's, he's, I don't know that he has any psychology credentials or philosophical credentials or pastoral credentials. And you don't have to have credential i mean you you can be self-taught but he just appears to be to be very weak he talks about direct consequences of our forefathers sins we were in adam and as part of his sin the imputation of adam's sin to the human race is stated somewhat differently in romans 5 that this has anything to do with the dna ladder as gother goes on to state is debatable but Gother's point is the extension of our solidarity with Adam. This, he believes, indicates that we and our physical children are under some kind of direct consequence, not just the social or environmental consequences of our forefathers' acts of sinning. So, And then finally, there's this notion of pop science or pop psychology, and he applies that to Scripture, and then he, he turns them into these spiritual principles. That sounded so good that churches embraced all of this. I, I think the idea was I'm going to rescue the world from bad ideology. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to redefine Christian worldview. And, and what I remember about it is he talked about sex all the time, uh, concupiscence and lasciviousness. And, 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 and then he, and he, and he warned that if the family steps out from under the wife steps out from under the husband's authority, uh, or the children step out from under the, the the dad's authority or the parents' authority, then Satan can get at them. Where if they stay under their authority, he can't. And, and and you know there was just enough biblical truth in there to make people fall for this. But I, I worry about his false teaching. But my point today is really all about asceticism. It really is dangerous if you're caught up in that world. If your church is caught up in that world. I hope you'll be encouraged to rely on Scripture. Just take a look at Hebrews 11 and Hebrews 12, Colossians 2, verses 16 through 23, and then even Romans 14 and 15, more difficult passages. Uh, But be encouraged by this 
truth of God's word. It is the finished work of Jesus Christ. It is faith alone that justifies, and we walk by faith in him. This renewing of our minds happens by faith through God's word. And we're not left to our own. Christ is making intercession for us. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us as we pray with groanings that cannot be uttered. So, friends, I hope this is helpful. I don't like identifying ministries by name that are errant. I I hope, for example, that Bob Jones University, I hope some of the previously identified as fundamentalist churches who who practiced asceticism or legalism, I, I hope they will continue to follow Christ. Uh, we all do so on a flawed basis. We do so inadequately, poorly, uh, not sufficiently, but we do so by faith, recognizing that it is our being in him, in Christ, that sustains us. He alone, his work on our behalf is complete. So what a blessing. I hope you'll you'll write to me. Go to our website, johnwarrenmedia.com. Use our contact form or send an email directly to me at john at johnwarrenmedia.com. I'd be delighted to hear from you. Your correspondence is encouraging. Please send along any questions. If I made you angry, I'm sorry I made you angry, but I'm not sorry I told you the truth. I hope this is helpful teaching. If I left you confused or in this very brief time together, Uh, didn't cover the subject correctly, thoroughly, in your opinion. I'd love to hear from you. So I hope you'll come back next week. Uh, We'll continue our topical uh, studies. Uh, Please like, share, subscribe to uh, Relentless Truth. Uh, Share it with your friends. This is how we communicate, uh, how we promote this podcast. Thank you so much for your support in doing so. I look forward to being with you again next week. Thanks for listening to Relentless Truth with John Warren. Please consider sharing this podcast and subscribe to receive future episodes. Connect with John regarding your comments, questions, and show ideas through johnwarrenmedia.com or at John Warren Media on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. That's all for this episode. Join us next week for another edition of Relentless Truth with John Warren.